Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome, everyone, to the 330th episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Reza, you said you had quite the day. Hit me up with uh, what happened. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Today, so this weekend uh, was kind of a, a social weekend for us. As you know, you've, you, you've talked about, um, you know, starting to, to mingle or interact with some friends um, over the past like month or so, right? So while, of course, Lane and I, you know, we've been on a couple flights and done a few things, we haven't really done a too much stuff with Gordon yet. And so um, one of my good friends, uh, Craig, it's, it's his uh, birthday. This is his birthday weekend. And so um, there are four couples who are part of this group. Lane and I, of course, are, are one of those couples. And three of the couples have kids. So Craig and his wife just had a baby about a month ago. Gordon is uh, almost two years. He'll be two years old in a, a month and a half. And then Brandon and his wife, Heather, have a kid who is three and a half years old. And the only person who doesn't have a kid is uh, Mark and his wife, Steph. And so mm-hmm. we, uh, we get together. Um, first time in about a year we got together once a year ago at a park and uh just like shared like an outdoor um dinner but that was the that was the last time we all saw each other and the time before that was pre-covid so it was a good time we got there and gordon was acting like super shy right he he wouldn't like he he was hiding behind me he wanted me to hold him the whole time he refused to enter the family room he just wanted to hang out in the living room or in the um the dining room for a bit but then like five minutes later, he opened up and by the end of it, he was trying to give everybody a hug goodbye. And he uh, he he loved Brandon Heather's daughter. She's uh, three and a half years old. And he had like a big tyranny. He seemed to have Gosh. a pretty big crush on her. He was like holding her hand, dragging her around. Uh, they went for a little walk together and had to supervise on that walk outside. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I was like, dude, you, there's no sidewalks here. First of all, right? Uh, you're also first you're also all. one. Like, I'm not even gonna round. You're one, okay? Let's yeah. chill. You, you don't have that. You don't have that. Uh, that freedom here. Um, you don't have that freedom. You ain't got no money. <laughs> you don't have no whip. Yeah. Where you going? Um. So. <laughs> so yeah, we. Uh, so yeah, that was a really good time. It was. It was good. We. 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 It, we stayed. Like we got. So it started at five and just like with all the stuff going on yesterday, by the time we got there, they also live an hour away. It was like seven. And as you know, that's about Gordon's bedtime, like seven, eight o'clock. He's been pushing it these days. So when we left, it was uh, it was nine o'clock, nine p.m. So it's already past Gordon's bedtime. He's acting all like not woozy. He's acting like crazy. So um, he uh, he passed out in the car, got him home, uh, just took him up to the bed and put him to sleep. Right. No problem. Um, today though, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Jokic just got ejected from the, uh, the Denver Phoenix game. It's 75, 83 Phoenix is up three zero and Jokic is of course the MVP of the, uh, the NBA. He just got ejected from the game. Anyway. Um, why did, why did he get ejected? He, he, just uh, he just, bum teammates? he just hit a dude in the face. Uh, but it was like a, he like, he like wound up, he was trying to like steal the ball or something. And he wound up and like he like flung his arm back and he caught him in the face. Like I don't know if he's trying to smack the ball, just trying to like save the game or what. But um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, sorry for that interruption. So unacceptable. Today, 
<laughs> one of Lena's friends, uh, uh, from the, when they were working at shop back in the day, they, um, what's that text from? They, uh, yeah, uh, she, she uh, sorry, her husband is in a band and he was going to be playing at this um, community art center like, outside the school. And so it was a little like little concert. And um, it's the first time I, th- I believe it's the first time that he's performed in quite a while. So he was really excited. Um, so we went there just to kind of support. And um, you know, we're just kind of hanging out. There's a bunch of people that we had to have like their blankets some tents some lawn chairs. Uh, a lot of people brought their dogs and stuff. And so we're just hanging out. But as you know, Gordon uh, is you know, he'll at shy for like the first two minutes and then he's just super, super open. He, because we knew like one per one couple there, he seemed to think that we knew everybody there because he's immediately started trying to play with other people. Like he had a little ball and he started throwing the ball around to this two, to, to the people that were with. Right. And then he started throwing the ball, but the ball, like, you know, he's not good at throwing a ball. Right. So like he starts throwing the ball, but it goes in a different direction. He throws the bar, the ball, and it goes towards this guy. He's like kind of just standing there talking with some people, and so he picks up the ball and he throws it back to Gordon, like, "Oh, you know, a little errant throw, right?" But just let me toss it back to you. Gordon thought this guy was part of the crew now, so Gordon just starts throwing the ball back and forth to this dude. He wouldn't stop, and like that was fine. I had no problems with it, but then like Gordon starts trying to like interact with other people, you know, spend some time sitting around, and then there's another person near the guy who had the ball, and he was like eating a cheesesteak. And Gordon goes over and starts tapping him on the back. Like, Gordon, we don't know them. <laughs> um, not long after that, Gordon got in trouble. So I put him in his back. I put him into his little stroller as part of timeout. Like, I didn't strap him in. It's a little wagon, so it's kind of like enclosed or whatever. And uh, the people who were sitting to our to our left, they had like four or five dogs, like really cute dogs. Um, and they were like sitting underneath the tent. And uh, the woman like sits down next to Gordon and she starts talking to him. But she's like really close to him. And then like, and then she's like, you know, like so like, you know, we just started opening things back up, right? And we've talked about this before, how like the assumption has to be that if you are somewhere not wearing a mask, no matter where it is, the assumption now has to be that that you are vaccinated. The issue is that I don't trust that everybody's vaccinated that's not walking around with a ma- without a mask because there are so many people who wanted to, re- who refused to wear a mask when masks were mandated. That is very difficult to believe that everyone who's choosing to not wear a mask right now was also vaccinated. So I it, it's really, really difficult to like err on the side of, oh, you have been vaccinated, especially when it comes to the health of my child, who obviously is not vaccinated because he can't be. Um, so she sits down next to him and she starts talking to him. And then she's like, oh, is it OK if he like plays with the dog? It's just like all these like questions. Like it, it's very difficult in this situation to say no. She's really nice. And I think that the uh, the people that we were with knew her. But like all that kind of goes out the window when you're talking about a global pandemic. Right. And just like right. it, it feels weird or it feels uh, rude to say no in this situation. And I just kind of like want to say no. But he doesn't you know, he doesn't know. This is this is how I just realized today how easily it would be to kidnap Gordon. And I'm like, oh, shit, dude. Like he's too friendly. <laughs> he's too, 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 too friendly. He has no regard for any like f- he has no fear for what somebody's capable of like what somebody with malicious with uh, malicious intent would would do and like i didn't think that this person had malicious in- intent i just didn't know like you know i'm just like i don't know you right like you don't know us i don't know you i wouldn't really be like touching somebody else's kid 
I wouldn't really be trying to like, oh, let them sit in my lap, right? Like he, he comes out, like he he comes out the stroller and he starts like playing with like uh, she she lets him like pet the dogs. I'm like, okay, cool, you pet the dogs. Let's come back now, right? But then he like starts sitting down. Like, he sits on her lap and like there are all these dogs. All he wants to do is pet the dogs. He just keeps trying to pet the dogs, and like she's just having a blast. Then he starts following her around, and then like um, you know he comes back to us. And then he goes right back to them. It's like oh my god, dude, you you. you it would be so easy to just take you away. And I, I know I'm giving a little, a, a, an easy guide as to how to kidnap Reza's son right now. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think it'd be very difficult to kidnap, kidnap any child. But all I'm sitting here thinking is, like, especially, you know, one of my biggest fears or concern, not fears, one of my biggest concerns about COVID was how this lockdown was going to negatively impact Gordon's social abilities because he's not interacting with people the way he used to. His whole like first year, or at least like his first, I guess what what how old was he when COVID started? It was I think it was about seven months when we started the lockdown. So his first seven months were pretty social, like pretty interactive with different people. People would come visit him, whether it was grandmas or grandpas or aunties or uncles. Um, you know, my friends, Lena's friends. He was like there were it was very it was very rarely a week where he wouldn't interact with somebody else. And he was always like super happy and like interactive with these people, right? And when COVID happened, it's like, oh, how is this, like, however long this is going to be, how is it going to affect his social abilities? Turns out not at all, because all he wants to do is hug people, talk to people, say hi to people, say bye to people. The moment that somebody acknowledges him, he thinks they're best friends with him and that he can do whatever he, he like, that they're, that they're on the okay list. It's like, Gordon, they're sure. not, they're not, stop, please stop. It's just exhausting because like you're sitting there watching him, you're kind of like cringing and just grinding your teeth. It's like, come on, just start, just come back here, man. Like, I'm sure these are nice people. I just don't know them. All right, I just don't know them. You don't know them. Please just come here. And uh, and Lane is very clearly thinking the same thing, doing the same thing. We're like talking about it on the way on the way um, back. We, we went to my uh, my dad's house for a quick visit too, and we're just sitting there talking about it on the way. Like, man, dude, <laughs> this is uh, this is not easy. Um, so yeah, that was, that was today. Um, Gordon is, you know, we're, while we've been traveling these, the, the last two weekends, you know, last weekend was at Atlanta, the weekend before was Illinois. Um, I feel pretty exhausted today just after all the, uh, the social interactions with different people. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. But, uh, super quick, maybe somewhat quick update on the house, the house front, right? So last time we talked, yeah, 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 do that. I told you that we had seen a few houses. Um, you know, we, we went to Illinois. We looked at a bunch of houses. We got a much clearer idea of what we liked. And I told you that the house that we really liked, our number one contender, they made there was an offer that was accepted before we ever had a chance to make an offer, right? Well, right. Tuesday of this week comes around. And Tuesday, it turns out, or, sorry, it was Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday. Wednesday comes around. And uh, we're taking a virtual tour with our, real, with our, 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 our realtor. And then she, uh, in between the the two homes that we were looking at, she gets a call from the from the listing agent of the house that we really liked. Turns out that the buyer is uh, getting cold feet and they're backing out of the deal. And remember, I told you during that like five day like um, whatever period with the lawyers, you can back out of a deal without any ramification. So that's what they that's what they did. They backed out of the deal, and they were wondering if we were interested in making an offer because the uh, the seller didn't want to put it back on the market. Like she was tired of the whole thing already. And she just do you didn't. know why they backed out of that? I don't know. That's what I was wondering, right? They they said they guess cold feet, but I guess there could have been a variety of reasons. It could have been that as they were getting their full approval for the mortgage, maybe their their um their 
their income situation wasn't so good. It could have been that maybe they would just start to like, you know, we were, I was telling you about like just how the market is these days. You don't really have a ton of time to really consider like, right? Obviously, you're in the market for a reason. You're looking at this house for a reason. You think you can afford it and you feel comfortable with it. But when it really comes down to like the X's and O's of it, when it comes to those dollar signs and you're looking at your bank account and what your, you know, things that you're budgeting, you don't have to budget for now, you would have to budget for in the future. Maybe that house was just so far beyond their budget um, that, yeah, technically they could have afforded it, but they also would have really had to, you know, tighten up and make, make a, like, consider, oh, can we eat out today because it's that expensive for them. So it could have just been the real, the, the, the realistic nature of that, that caused them to, to, to second guess it. Or, Somebody could have lost their job too. Like I just heard that somebody can't remember. I can't remember who it was, what, where this was that I heard it, but I just heard um, somebody um, they they uh, they put an offer in on the house, and the offer end up they end up having to back out in this similar stage because the uh, the the husband was laid off of his job, and oh, that's it, that's really tragic. Yeah, you hate to see that. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, there are a variety of reasons, but it left the, it left okay. the door open for us. It was like, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll make an offer. So we we, yeah. we, made, we made an offer initially. Um, it was fairly a fairly low offer because we wanted to see what they were working with, right? And uh, we, you know, we're not going to offer them everything under the sun. We're not going to offer them listing, for example, right? Because at this point, we didn't have competition. At this point, it's a matter of, oh, are you gonna are you gonna relist it or are you gonna sell it to us? So they come. And you knew that, and you knew that it was that they were only speaking to no, you. No, we actually knew that there was another couple that was interested in it. Nevertheless, we knew that the agencies were the same. Our our realtor and the selling the the listing agent were the same agencies. We didn't. We had no idea what they've told to the other couple, really. So it's really just a matter of okay, well, what's the harm in making an offer? The worst they could say is no. We come back and give them another number. So sure enough, they say no, but they did give us some information. They told us that the offer that they previously accepted was a little bit under ask was a little bit under the list price so we're like okay cool so we took the number up we brought in a bit under list the, the list price and then but uh, it was higher than what the other couple gave the other couple no no we don't i don't know anything about the other couple like even to this oh, day. all have, you know have, is just a little all, bit under listing yes all i know is it was i all i know is under the listing um and I have no idea about the other prospective buyer. I all all I know is that the other, and and I did find out the number that the other the the per, the person who backed out. I know how much they how much they offered because with this number, our realtor she seemed she seemed pretty excited about this number. Like, okay, cool, great. She goes back to the to the uh, the, the 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 listing agent who then talks to the seller, who then gets back to us a bit later, and they they're like, okay can you add an extra like $2,000? Because if you add an extra $2,000, that's going to be equivalent to what the previous accepted offer was. And at this point, it's like, okay, sure. Um, so we ended up deciding, okay, you know, we were a little bit annoyed about it. I guess maybe a little bit, more, maybe, I don't know if it was unfair to be annoyed about it, but I feel like, you know, given how close we were, I don't know. And it, and it doesn't really matter. We We decided, yes, we're going to make the offer. Um, equivalent to the previous offer that they, they that they had accepted, but we thought about it, and you know we had to uh, we had to get the um, our mortgage um, number um, increased, right? Like we we were pre-approved for an amount that I told you about this before. We pre we were pre-approved for a number that isn't necessarily our max. So like if we wanted to go beyond what our initial budget was, like what we had set, we could do it. 
we just didn't have it in written form so we just needed to get this stuff updated so we got it updated and then um we we took it back to them and then all of a sudden i hear oh the the seller has decided to to pass on your offer and my realtor my our realtor was kind of upset about it. like she's like what a greedy person like um so it's like wait why right like why why did you just like come back to us to get an extra two thousand dollars to then say oh you know what on second thought never mind nah i'm good right um so the next day because we're like okay so it's over right um very upset about this by the way so the next day my realtor contacts us again, says that the listing agent reached out and asked if we were willing to put any more money down on the house. Um, and what? a couple of other questions, right? She's like, are you willing to put more down? And I realized she said no, because she thinks that our, she she's afraid that we are gonna pull out of the deal again, right? This is this is where the issue came into play. She, she thought that we were basically scraping pennies together to make this offer and when it came down to it when it came down to like the getting the getting the official mortgage to getting for us to like really assess our finances that we were going to back out or that the uh, the mortgage company that the bank the lender was going to reject us and so that she this is one of the reasons or one of the ways that she would ensure that we were actually good for it is to basically ask can you put more money down and I'm like, no, <laughs> like, no, sure. I'm not, I'm not going to put more money down. Right. Like, um, I mean, for, for a variety of reasons, but like for just simply, sure. no, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to put any more money down. I can tell you that. Yeah, we're, we're good for it. We've been approved by, you know, we, this is our approval. That's all you really need. If the, if the, and I was like, you know, if they're still interested in having us as a prospective buyer, then I will offer the number that I had offered with before the two thousand dollar increase, and we can go ahead. Otherwise, they can relist it. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep doing this back and forth. Um, you know, if you want to sell it to us, I assure you that if you're concerned about money, there's nothing to be concerned about. But I'm not gonna do anything about adding extra money to my down payment to a to a suite. Like you know, oh, this is the this is the issue, right? While we love the house it's still not perfect in its current state. And so there are things that we would do to it. And if we had to put extra money down, that is money that we don't have in, in cash to fund those projects on day one. Sure, yeah. Right, like you don't take out all your liquid because the, the mortgage only covers the cost of the house. The mortgage doesn't, cost, doesn't, doesn't cover any additional changes that you wanna make to that house. Um, so already like feeling like, okay, this is a heavy, this is a hefty down payment that we didn't, weren't necessarily initially looking to make, but it's a down payment that we could make. And so I'm not going to add in extra, you know, extra tens of thousands of dollars to make you feel more comfortable that I'm not going to pull through pull out on this deal because there's stuff that I want to do to your home that, that I just feel needs to be done on day one. So the whole thing is just like, you know, would you even want to buy a house from this type of, from, from not even this type of person? Would you want to buy a house from this person who's already frustrated you so much? And like, to me, the answer is not really. And that's why I said, you know what? I'm not going to add in that extra $2,000 or whatever, because we never gave him that formal letter to state that this is, this is what it would be. All we did was just give him the verbal, yeah, okay, we'll increase it. And then they came back and said, actually, on second thought, never mind. 
So if you want to, do you do, feel like that? Do you feel like they were operating in bad faith? Um, I don't know. I don't know what I would call it. I mean, I I feel like you know we we keep hearing that oh this is a seller's market, right? I feel like. I feel like sellers can really do whatever, not not do whatever they want, but like I told you, there are people who are listing their homes without any type of work whatsoever on them, yeah. and they're asking for outrageous prices. They're asking for yeah. prices that I've seen for homes that have been given like all sorts of new updates in the same neighborhoods with better schools or whatever you want to say, and these people are looking for outrageous prices that I just don't think they, sh- they should get or that they will get, um, but there are some homes that definitely deserve what they're asking or will get what they're asking and that is a home that almost certainly will get what it's asking if she waits a little bit longer i mean she got this offer four days after putting it on the market so like the fact that she doesn't want to she didn't want to put it back on the market is i guess to me i find a little strange maybe i mean i guess it's certainly annoying right like every single time there's somebody who's going to come into your home you have to make sure it's it's presentable you have to make sure that um you're not going to be there it, it, it's a lot to figure out so yeah every single day that your house is on the market to, for viewings is it can be a headache to you um but with that said like with that said if she were to decide to put the house back on the market it would probably sell within a week so i think that that's basically like i think there may have been the sense of she wanted more money because she's like, well, shoot, if there are three different couples who are willing to pay this much money, I bet if I put it back on the market and I took a little, if I took a little bit more time and got a little bit more competition, I could probably get more than asking, or at least I get that asking number. Um, so I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, I personally at the time felt like, yeah, this is kind of bad faith, right? Like we're sitting here like, okay, give me this extra money. And when we have a deal and I'll give you the extra money. And then you're like, on second thought never mind but like now i just i I, now i don't feel like it was necessarily about a greed thing i do think it was about a fear of having the deal fall through again and and having to spend extra time with your house off of the market thinking that you're done only to reset and go back to to go back to um to um stage you know square one so that's that's what i think it is i think she's operating out of fear and concern and just kind of looking out for herself what is her need to move so quickly oh no idea i have no idea anything about anything they they would say yeah they would say her and like i could speculate as to what it might be like i was you know it could be divorce it could be uh, a new job you know yeah any number of reasons could be downsizing the house is no longer affordable to them um you know who who knows but it it was extremely frustrating and it, it was extremely frustrating like in the sense that i like i said you you know you're looking at these homes you kind of move in mentally like you're like okay this is the thing these are the things that i'm going to do to the place right like i can't wait to get in and do this to that place or do this to that other place and um when it's when it's pulled away from you so suddenly it's uh it's a bit jarring and a bit like emotionally um frustrating because and again like it happened to us twice right there was that one time we didn't even put an offer in and we're like super excited about the uh, the prospect of it and then the second time you know it was like oh like this is actually happening um and like also like being a little bit more aware of like okay well it's not a perfect house either we do have to do some things to it but we're still super excited right to be done with this and then all of a sudden like actually nah that was super frustrating so let me ask you a question. 
And without going into specifics, because I'm, I'm more generally interested in what I'll say is the strategy, right? Yeah. Behind some of this stuff. Now, your you and Lena went out and got pre-approved for a mortgage from several different like mortgage lenders, we'll say, right, or providers, just to um, get some sort of like you're essentially just trying to see like what you guys can get with the different uh, rates and whatnot from a couple of different providers. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, and I'm not asking to for you to share the number, but when you are dealing with a seller like this who yeah. says uh could you come back and add like a little bit of money on top Do, and you said you had to go back and get yeah the, uh, the mortgage, the mortgage revised. Up, updated yeah yeah so is there is but my question there is is there any reason or would it make sense for you to essentially go out there and get a mortgage yeah. that is like the max of what you guys could get, yeah, right, yeah, but that not offer that. Yeah, that way you're flexible to do that, right? Um, right. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. So I mean, I don't really know what the real strategy is behind, like behind it overall. I mean, obviously we're first time home buyers, so maybe the things that we're doing aren't the best method. In my mind, I, I could definitely see the pro of having, like, say, let's just work with random numbers here, right? I'm just going to give a flat number. This is not, definitely not what I was working with, right? But let's just yeah. say, for the sake of the argument, I'm going to go, like, beyond my, far beyond my Whatever. budget, just so it's not clear, but, like, or just so it's obvious, so it's not diff easy to uh, guess. Let's just say I could afford a house that was a million dollars, right? If okay. If I... If I then got a, a piece of paper that said, okay, I'm pre-approved for a mortgage up to $1 million, that means I am able to see any house up to a $1 million asking and not have to really worry about getting um, additional approval. Like if I saw a house that was a $1 million today, I can make an offer on that house today yep. without going to yep. the bank and, and asking anything. Um, and then that person can then say, okay, cool they already have a conditional approval for a home mm -hmm. that is worth the amount that I've listed it for. So yes, I'll accept this offer. They can now do every, you know, all the other stuff and then we're, we're good to go. Right. And there's still different ways where the, that mortgage could still be changed. You know, the, uh, the conditions could fail and whatever it, it, it could fall through, but um, it, it could work. Now, one of the issues might be, okay, well, let's say for example, you 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 were conditionally approved for a house up to a million dollars, and you were only interested in buying a house that was max five hundred thousand dollars. If you then went in with an offer that was say you know it's a five hundred thousand dollar home, uh, maybe it's been on the market for like two weeks, three weeks, and in this market that's kind of a long time. Maybe you come in and say, hey, I'll offer you four hundred eighty-five thousand dollars for it. The seller might look at your your pre-approval letter and be like, well, you're you 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 clearly can afford a house that's up to a million dollars so no i want asking that's kind of what our thought process was or reasoning for why we weren't seeking approval for a, a, a higher number now the other so, reason is that yeah. it's not it wasn't even necessarily just that we weren't even going to be looking at houses that were in the price range where we did actually look mm -hmm. at um and and the house that we did find like that house we found it it wasn't like it wasn't like far beyond our that that number that we had 
Um, so it wasn't like a, a, a difficult change. And like I did mention, our our mortgage guy did mention, or one of the, the few mortgage guys that we talked to, did mention a number that was higher than what we listed. So getting it changed on paper was no problem because they already knew what our actual number was. But we didn't want to like, we didn't want to make it a thing where if the house was under what's on that paper, the the seller be like, oh, but they can afford more. So no, I'm going to say no to that offer. And like, I don't know if, I don't know what goes through the mind of a seller, but I, to me, I'm, I like, you know, Reza today, I might think that if I were selling my, like if, if I think like a seller, I might think that if somebody was trying to, to, um, to under, to, uh, to offer something that was under asking and I thought it was worth asking, right? Like if I saw somebody's paper and, I, and it said the number like right around where it was, like if, if I saw a number and it was only like $15,000 off, but that was the number that was listed, then I might I might consider it more than if you were pre-approved for a number that was double what my health was worth, and you're sitting here trying to to offer me less when I feel like it's worth that money. If gotcha. that if that makes sense. So so let me just clarify something. You're saying that when you get pre-approved for, and I guess uh, what getting pre-approved hints at is you do have to get a final approval at some point based on whatever the agreed upon prices. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few, we were just talking about this too. I was just talking about this with Lane upstairs. There's a few different, um, the, the language is a little bit funny to me. There's there's a, obviously the approval, the final approval. That means like, okay, the home's been assessed. It's been inspected. Um, we've verified your finances. Once again, you're good to go. We're, we're in, right? There's that. That's when you buy the house. There, then there's pre-approval. Pre-approval is um, they basically verify your pay stubs, your 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 tax credit, your uh, your um, any your uh, uh, your debt to income ratio. Mm-hmm. They check your bank your bank accounts, your statements, how much money you actually have liquid. Um, they do all that to make sure. Okay, assuming that all things stay stable. They like if if you if you if you if we had to give you the loan today, you can you can we like we're confident in your ability to pay this loan off, right? There's that, mm-hmm. but then they also have um, I think it it's basically pre pre approval. It's uh, I'm trying to think what do they call it? Like it's a um, pre qualification. I think is what they call it. This is just more or less a verbal um check. Like it's like okay, how much money do you make a year? And uh, maybe how, what's your, you know, how much, how much, uh, how much money do you have? Type of deal. There's no verification on any of it, and so all that, all you would do with that is basically let your realtor know, okay, or like give it gives you an idea of what you can afford. It lets your realtor like kind of have uh, some level of confidence of, okay, they can afford this. And I think it also it could be used for some for some um, sellers as some level of like you know if they were making an offer and you really needed to make the offer today, but you didn't have that like full on credit history check and all that other fun stuff. It could be something I guess that could be used in an offer, but I think realistically you would not make an offer with that. I think you make the offer with that second that that pre approval, which is again that that credit report, the income check, the pay stub check, the uh, liquid asset, the, the state bank statements check. So, yeah. I see. Yeah. So you don't want to get, not, uh, I guess my, for my next question that is you have to be pretty like strategic about getting the pre-approval amount so that you see houses potentially like 
close to that number so that like let's use let's just use your example of a million dollars right right i get a, i go out there i get pre-approved for a million dollar mortgage if i start seeing places at 600 there's a shot that they're like i'm gonna want more yeah i mean i mean that's what i would think right like through the mind of a seller i have no idea like what or what's going through these people's minds but I can I can also envision a world with like you know just like it is today where it's such a hot market. If they think that you could offer more, I feel like they could they could reject your offer in hopes that you would come back and offer them more because they see that your home is well within that couple's means. So like if say you had five offers on the table, I don't know if, I don't know if that's a fair example, but like let's say you have multiple offers on the table, but you felt like like those offers could come through higher you could reject them and see if they want to come through with with you know with another offer um i don't know if that's something that people would do but i do feel like it is something that they could do but i obviously have nothing to i don't have a history to i don't i I don't i don't know if my my interpretations or assumptions are correct either like i don't know if that's completely fair fair. but what i do know uh, what our what was i going to say about this um what I do, oh right so what we were also what we also didn't want to have to deal with was a realtor who like you know you ever like watch house hunters or something which we do know is like you know somewhat fake in some in some regard but like where you tell them your budget and then they come through and they show you a house that's like fifty thousand dollars beyond your budget I'm like but I told you my budget was this why are you showing me this house I can't afford this house um we didn't want to have this like top number listed where then the realtor thinks that we can afford a house that's that much money and try to show us a house that like, yes, technically on paper we could afford, but we would never feel comfortable actually paying for. So now you've showed us something that we really want, but also don't feel like we should try to get because like, you're just trying to upsell us. Right? Like we just didn't want to have to deal with, like, we just didn't want to have to think about that or deal with that. I see. Um, So yeah. Yeah. And like, also it just kind of keeps us honest too. Right? Like, because we don't we have a number that's written down that's like you know we have a number that's written on paper it tries it, it would hopefully help keep us a, a bit more honest with what we're trying to seek and so when you're you're adding those filters in on zillow or realtor or whatever site that you use you're not really going too far beyond that because you already know the number that you've agreed to be beforehand mm-hmm. um i will tell you this though we've started to entertain some homes in in uh, wisconsin because the property taxes in Wisconsin are a lot lower than in yes, Illinois. And so what you, you literally end up saving several hundred dollars a month in property taxes, not, not literally nothing. several hundred dollars a month. Like at the end of the day, we're not really interested in the final number of the house, but more interested in what the estimated monthly payments are going to be based off of the property tax sure. assessment, HOAs, mortgage insurance, and the, and the uh, principal plus interest. And so in a, in Illinois, you can afford you can in Wisconsin you can afford a much more expensive base price house than you can in Illinois because the property taxes are less and so your monthly payment while a home might be like fifty thousand dollars more expensive in Illinois could still end up being cheaper than a house that's fifty thousand dollars cheaper in Illinois because the property taxes are just that much lower. Now that does come at the expense of like some schools, for example, like the areas that we're looking at don't have the best schools in the world, and so. This would either be, a, and I, I believe, if I remember correctly, what our, our realtor told us, uh, Wisconsin is a choice school, meaning that we could choose to send Gordon to a better school if we were able to figure out how to get him to that location. So um, we could either, A, 
do that, like choose him to another school, or B, um, move, move after a few years and get him to a better school. Like I, we we personally don't feel like oh he needs to be in the world's greatest elementary school, for example, because by the like you know at the time where we would really realistically need to think about moving, I feel like he'd be need need to be in like upper elementary, maybe middle school before we had to start thinking about like, okay, we need to be somewhere better for him to get a better public school education. And maybe that would at that time be like, okay, now we move to Illinois. Um, um, but the other thought process that I've been having too is something that Lena had talked about a lot earlier. And I just kind of like, you know, I brushed it off, but now I'm starting to think more about the investment aspect of the home. And um, when you're monthly, like if almost half of your monthly is going into property tax, like I, I think I did talk about this last week, I was thinking about that as just being like, okay, well, that's your rent, right? Like just equating it to being rent. But really, if you're living in Wisconsin and you're, you know, most of the money is going to principal, you almost think about it as, you know, that money that you're paying towards your mortgage that, of course, is not property tax or anything else is basically money that you're just putting into your, into, you're putting into a savings account. You can't touch it. You can't do anything with it. But eventually when you sell the house, assuming you're able to sell it for the same price that you bought it. You're just pulling. Big assumption. Yeah, I know, I know. Big assumption, but you're basically just pulling all of that money back out. And again, yes, I know it's an assumption. You have no idea how the market's going to go. You have no idea who's going to be interested in your house and how long it might take to sell. But if you do think about it that way, you are going to be getting some aspect of that money back, and you're not getting any of that that uh, any of those property taxes back. Like that's just all gone. Right. So. Right. I mean, realistically, like if you're staying in a place for five years, even if the, the the overall price of the house goes down eventually, it I would think would be unrealistic to assume that it would go back. It would go down by an amount that was significant enough to to um to make those property taxes worth paying. So, mm-hmm. um, and also with the price range that we're looking at, like there are some really fucking nice homes, man. Like <laughs> there's some really nice homes okay. that are that are in a fairly reasonable driving distance, like 30, 30 to forty minutes from the office. And uh, they're kind of appealing. So um, the only thing that sucks about that, though, is we spent most of our time looking at homes in Illinois. And so we got pretty familiar and accustomed with the areas that we liked in Illinois. But we never did that in in, uh, in Wisconsin. And so we don't really know what's around. We don't know what areas we like. I have an idea based off of things that I've seen on Google Maps, just kind of like scrolling around. But that is nothing like what it's going to be when you, you know, when you're driving around and feeling the place for real. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate you sharing all this stuff. I'll probably keep asking you questions about it since you're like in the middle of it. Give us a little bit of insight as we, uh, as we push into this, maybe, uh, after you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I definitely wish you a whole lot of luck in it. Um, I'm excited for you, but also like, like it's an, it's, it's exciting, right? Like looking at homes is exciting, but it's also exhausting. You will, I mean, assuming it takes you any stretch of amount of time, like, you know, if there's a place that you want and you can't get it, or you're just like, if you're, if you're pressed for time, you have to make the decision quickly. It, it can just become a, a, a bit exhausting. Like I, I'm looking at homes all the time. Like even throughout this conversation, I've gone to realtor and I've like refreshed like five times just to check to see has anything new come to the market is it worth looking at is it worth like potentially thinking about having our realtor look at and uh i'm tired of doing that i can't wait till uh i can't wait till that's done Mm -hmm. then the next concern is just the move that'll be a fun one too all right well let's get out of here all right all right well i'm russell
I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.